best uh, That's the bias You need the earful You should try us From pop culture to the movies to unite us It's the best uh, That's the bias uh, Your best bias What's up, everybody? It's time for another episode of the Best of Bias podcast. It's your boy, Lydell DeNero. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope you guys are having a great Friday. If you guys are just waking up, welcome to the day. If you guys are just getting off of work and listening, welcome to your end of your day, to the best time of your day when you listen to the Best of Bias podcast. You know what I mean? Um, it's that time of year again. It's fantasy football season. And I know a lot of you guys, a lot of listeners play. Um, and you know how I get down in uh, fantasy football, man. I usually win. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I'm not even going to stunt. I am a regular winner, and I'm very familiar with what it takes to be a winner. Um, you know what I mean? So um, last weekend uh, was the fantasy draft for the Best of Bias Invitational 2022. Um, a couple of the homies, some from last year's league who saw me win this year. We got a couple of newcomers, but um, we had our draft, and it was actually pretty interesting. We had a live draft. Draft, none of that online shit. We had a lot of people interactive. Um, we planned a big party for 12, as you guys heard, um, leading up to that draft. But not all 12 were able to make it. We had a couple people in the building and everybody else was in there via Zoom. I kind of like the whole live aspect of it. If you guys are into that kind of thing, too, if you're doing a live draft this week or next week, the coming, you know, because the season is starting September 11th. Opening game is the Rams and Bills. So I hope you guys are ready, getting those drafts ready. Um, but yeah, to open it up and um, to get ready for the draft, I thought I'd just kind of highlight some of the stuff that went down in our draft and maybe give you guys some strategies. I want to talk a little bit about um, the guys that I wanted to pick, the guys that I did pick, why I picked them, and some of the guys that I missed out on and some of the competitors in this league that I think can give me a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of challenge, you know what I mean? I'm pretty confident that my team has what it takes to get to number one. I'll talk about my team in a minute, but mostly I'm just kind of confident. I'm seeing what trades I can make early before the season actually starts and see if I can will and deal some stuff to happen before the season starts and the games, you know, the season actually gets rolling, but nothing shaking so far. Just made some couple of free agent uh, pickups, but um, let me go over my team real quick. Welcome to the Best of Bias podcast. And if you don't like fantasy football, I'm sorry. So we're going to start with the bulk of the episode today. So um, if you want to hear about the House of Dragon, you can kind of fast forward to the end. It's going to be the last kind of segment there. And if you want to hear about Serena and her just winning actually the second round of the U.S. Open, I'm going to get to that in a minute. And some other sports stuff, some contracts, the extension, some of that boring stuff for right now, right now, right now, it is uh, fantasy football time. And it's time to talk about the Best of Bias podcast. Uh, invitational 2022 and highlight some of the guys and who I think is, you know, who I think is kind of raw, but let's start with my team uh, without further ado, because I think of course I'm going to be the winner. Um, but I ended up drafting a pretty cool squad um, for quarterback. I got Derek Carr. Uh, AJ Brown is my first receiver, receiver number one, Cortland Sutton, my receiver number two. I know they can be kind of light, you know what I'm saying? I know first week projections for AJ Brown, he's like receiver 11 and Cortland Sutton is supposed to be a sleeper with, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, him finally getting the quarterback. Um, he's been with Drew Locke and 
uh, Paxton Lynch and a whole bunch of other people. And he's been injured. I think he did tear his ACL. So it's the year after the year that he, um, you know what I'm saying, came back from and recovered from that ACL. So that he should be good uh, knee-wise. Jerry Judy had a little injury last year, but they're both actually getting a quarterback in Russell Wilson that can throw him the ball. So I'm hoping that Cortland Sutton can actually pick it up and uh, be that number one for Russell Wilson when he actually gets a quarterback and is actually healthy. A.J. Brown, you already know the uh, deal with him. Um, him and Jalen Hurts just linked up. Um, he got traded from the Titans. He actually has a quarterback. He thinks he has, um, you know, he can mold with and do something with. He's kind of beefing with the Titans right now. Um, I guess they didn't have the best relationship when he was over there in, the, you know, at the Titans. But he was actually showing out for the Titans and actually, you know, being one of the only good players on the team, um, being as they were a really good team. But that offense didn't really have many weapons. They had Derrick Henry, but they didn't have really much else. But let me not get too far off that. But I think with the Eagles, he'll be a good number one this offseason. We've been hearing a lot about in camp how he's been showing out and really being there for Jalen Hurts and helping him progress into that downfield thrower. And I'm hoping that we can see A.J. Brown's route tree kind of expand and, you know, him get some points for me and kind of hold me down there. Um, and then for some reason, man, Christian McCaffrey, I picked that number eight in this draft. I should have started with that 12 man draft PPR full PPR. Um, so it's kind of wonky in the beginning. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, mostly people could take Justin Jefferson, Cooper cup at any time. And just, you know, you know, usually in the past we see running backs go early, early, and it's mostly running backs, but in full PPR, um, we have receivers like Cooper cup performing last year and Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase and, you know, always Devontae Adams, you know, representing. So um, PPR, taking them early is kind of beneficial to a team because they can score as many points as maybe a running back does um, as far as how running backs are scored in um, in fantasy, especially PPR format. So um, receivers are kind of a little bit more value valuable. Um, and we saw those go really early in our draft. I think number one, JT went, of course, which is in most mocks draft, they are. People have JT and McCaffrey one and two or vice versa, two and one, whoever you think is better. But people were scared of McCaffrey because of his injury history. Last couple of years, he was kind of banged up and wasn't able to contribute to those teams that actually drafted him really early. And it took a lot of draft capital to get him. Um, but. In our draft, he fell all the way to number eight where I was selecting. We saw number one, JT. Number two, I think, was Austin Eckler. Number three, I think we saw Davin, Dalvin Cook go. Uh, number four, we saw, which was a really early pick for him, but this guy in our league, Sean, you know what I'm saying, he really believed in him. And when Saquon Barkley, number four, he thinks he's going to have a resurgence season and, and do um, what it takes to, uh, you know, reciprocate that number four selection. He better because, sheesh, that's pretty early for him. Number five was Cooper Cup. Number six was Justin Jefferson. The receiver, the receiver started going after the number five pick. Um, Derek, yeah, got the number five, got Cooper Cup. And then number six, Dijon, man, this first snipe, First snipe of the draft, I was actually hoping for Justin Jefferson. I wasn't able to tell you guys my draft strategy because just in case some of my uh, league mates are actually listening to the podcast, supporters of the podcast, we're going to steal my uh, draft strategy. Um, but Dijon did take best receiver on the board after Cooper Cup went off. Thanks a lot, Derek. You prompted him to go ahead and take the next receiver off the board. And Jeff Justin Jefferson went off the board. <sighs> He was one of the players that I really wanted in this PPR format this year, coming into this year, um, just for the fact that he catches so many balls, Pauls, and he's able to contribute so much PPR-wise. He's going to get a lot of looks. Um, Adam Thielen's still pretty good. Um, so he won't be able to be completely double-teamed. He is the clear number one receiver now with Adam Thielen aging. But shoot, 
just the way he gets open, the way he's able to score in the red zone, he actually does everything you want a number one receiver to do. Um, no matter how what kind of coverage you put on him, he's young, like 24 years old. Um, so he's pretty much young and spry. He can beat any kind of double team and pretty much gets open for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins got paid. Um, again, Adam Thielen says he's feeling the best he's felt in a couple of years, you know, feeling like the young him again. Maybe that'll open up some routes um, for Justin Jefferson in hindsight because, you know, Adam Thielen's back to being what he was, the first Cooper Cup, the, you know, the first uh, before Cooper Cup it was Jordy Nelson, that one receiver, that unorth unorthodox receiver that was kind of doing it the unorthodox way. I can't say that word, so I'm not going to try it anymore, I promise, guys. <laughs> but, uh Yeah. But yeah, that was a snipe I didn't really respect. <laughs> but number seven, I think, I don't know who went number seven exactly. I think it was um, Najee Harris went number seven. So that left me with number eight. I was able to get, um, I was able to get, actually, I think it was Derrick Henry that went number uh, seven. I was able to get CMC number eight, which was crazy to me. I didn't think he would drop the number eight, him being the number two projected player in ADP, especially in PPR with all the points that he's getting if he's healthy. I get it. People have lost drafts, lost uh, seasons due to McCaffrey's injury, picking in that up top slot um, and having to wait hella long for a second pick. But I felt like where I was picking at number eight, where I just had to wait, uh, wait five picks for my second pick. This was prime pick, uh, prime pick spot for me to take him. Um, I actually took Leonard Fournette. I, that was a personal reach for me. I'm a Buccaneers fan, as you guys all know, but I had to make sure I got him. I know Tom Brady trusts him in the passing game. He was, uh, he's always going to give him the ball in the red zone. I think he has a lot to offer to the Bucs, as we all know. Um, he did his thing last year in the playoffs, and I think they just paid him this year, so they're going to give him the ball a lot. Um, and I think he's going to get off with him match with Christian McCaffrey, um, Cortland Sutton, A.J. Brown so far, and Derek Carr, quarterback. I'm hoping him getting Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro coming through again. Uh, hopefully Darren Waller getting um, healthy. I don't know about his whole contract situation. Um, he uh, fired his um, his agent. I think he was actually one of the first football um, clutch sports guys, and he fired his agent. And he's looking for a new agent now. So it's interesting. I don't know what's happening with him, but Justin, J uh, Justin Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, he didn't get his fifth year um, rookie uh, uh, option picked up by the team. So he's got to perform his ass off in order to prove to the team that he um, is worthy of being paid. So there's a lot of shit going on with the Raiders, and I'm hoping Derek Carr is able to put it all together and, you know, throw a whole bunch of yards. He's hella underrated. Um, I thought I can sit back and take Tom Brady later, maybe Joe Burrow, and maybe even if, uh, if Jalen Hurts slipped, I'll be able to pick him. But I wasn't able to do that. And I had uh, Derek Carr sitting there. It's either Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins for me as that safe kind of late round pick. Um, to see what they can do. Um, again, because we talked about Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, of course, Dalvin Cook. And then um, Derek Carr, I feel like it's a safe bet. But then I thought about it. I was like, fuck, that division is going to be tough this year. But I think there are going to be a lot of shootouts. And for him to stay in these games, he's going to have to score a lot of points, throwing the ball through the air. And I think that Devontae and him college connection is going to pretty uh, be pretty dope and going to give me a lot of points too. Um, of course, I told you I got Leonard Fournette as my second running back. Tight end, I waited a little bit and got David Njoku because a lot of the core receivers that I was able to pick up was actually pretty clutch, man. A lot of the receivers that I got are ones or twos. Um, I'm just kind of waiting to see how they um, perform in their first weeks. And I'm still kind of waffling to see how um, people and uh, you know experts have them rated against their first week matchups. But I'll get to my bench. My bench is kind of crazy. I don't know if I'll be able to keep any but all of them, but I'm going to try to will and deal to kind of solidify my roster. And you'll you'll see how my you know my strategy is kind of going 
to keep me going and try to win these leagues. You know, see, you'll see where I'm going. You see my brain power, how I win these leagues all the time. Um, I got David Njoku as my tight end. He's supposed to be one of the top targets over there in uh, in Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett being the quarterback. Um, they don't have Odell no more. They don't have Jarvis anymore. Um, they have Amari Cooper, but that's about it. And the next receiver is the next target is going to be David Njoku. They don't really throw to uh, Nick Chubb coming out of the backfield and Kareem Hunt wants to get traded. So I can't imagine they'll be using him as much as they'll be using Njoku, which opens up a lot of receptions for him. And I think that'll be kind of beneficial for me. Um, of course, because Jacoby Brissett doesn't really throw down the field anyways. He likes to check down to his tight ends. So I think that'll be kind of cool for me. So I thought I'll be, I was kind of lucky to get him late. And I'm hearing a lot that it's a kind of a sleeper pick to have in my flex right now. Jalen Waddle. Um, we saw what Jaden Waddle did his rookie season. He had 100 receptions with the Dolphins having two of there. Um, I think Fitzpatrick was playing a lot last year too with uh, to his injury, um, but I believe in him with Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is going to take a lot of uh, double teams, which is going to open up the you know open up the field for Waddle. And that's what he was saying in the interviews and stuff like that as well. They got a bunch of speed receivers, a bunch of speed running backs. So I know Mike uh, Mike. Daniels McDaniels or some shit like that. He was a coach over at the 49ers assistant uh, offensive coordinator. So he's going to run that kind of similar uh, Shanahan offense, a bunch of running backs, a bunch of receivers kind of doing a uh, gadgety stuff, a bunch of gadgety routes um, to get open. And I think they have the perfect receivers to do that. Tyreek Hill, of course, is going to take those double teams because he can score at any moment. He's like a well-seasoned vet. And you got the young guy who I, I think reaps the benefits of having those double teams taken off of him. And I think that uh, Jalen Waddle is going to get off and I'm hoping he can be a good flex for me from week to week. And then if not, I have a, a great bench. Listen to this. Breeze Hall. We've all been here about him. Uh, he should be starting for the New York Jets pretty soon. Him and Michael Carter are kind of going at it for a one-two punch, but he was drafted in the second round top running back uh, taken in this draft this year in the 2022 draft Breeze Hall out of Iowa state. Um, he had a crazy ass record while he was at Iowa State, like um, his last 26 games or something like that. He scored a touchdown in each of those things, uh, each of those things, each of those games. I think he was injured, injured his ankle or something early in the season last season. Um, but he was still able to perform as one of the top running backs in the draft. Um, he ran a sub 4-4-40, and can catch the ball. So I'm hoping towards the end of the season, towards midseason, he catches fire and is able to start for the Jets. And uh, that kind of like solidifies that pick for me. I picked him up late fifth round. His ADP got as high as the third round. And he's been taking a lot in the fourth round. So I was actually pretty stoked to be able to get him in the uh, – Pretty stoked. <laughs> pretty happy to be able to get his ass in the uh, fifth round uh, pretty late. Then I got Brandon Cooks, which obviously is the number one for Houston um, and uh, Young Sims. Um, I don't know who – oh, excuse me, Young Sims. Davis Mills. <laughs> who Sims? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, him being the, the number one over there is just kind of – he's. I think he's, like, been one, only, one of the only receivers to have a 1,000 yards for the last seven seasons. So he's been quietly getting off every year, even though the uh, Houston – Texans have been pretty bad. Um, they're able to score a lot of points in garbage time and get a lot of points in the, with the waning seconds of the game. And that's where Brandon Cooks is able to eat. So I'm hoping that having him as a flex option, having a, him as a starting option, sometimes maybe if he plays against the Jets, the Jags, somebody has a bad defense, he can uh, do a little something either, you know, in the early in the game or the garbage time. Um, also got Allen Robinson, the new number two for the L.A. Rams. He's supposed to get a lot of uh, touches, too, of course, because Cooper Cup got that uh, 
that uh, golden crown or whatever it's called, the triple crown <laughs> for receivers doing all this shit that he did last year. He's going to draw a lot of double teams, triple teams. Um, so that should open up the field for Allen Robinson. He hasn't really never had a quarterback either. Same situation as Corlin Sutton. So I'm hoping that with Matthew Stafford and him actually getting a quarterback that can get him the ball, that he's actually able to do a little something. People are actually thinking that he can perform as a receiver one uh, fantasy-wise towards the end of the season um, when it's all said and done. So I'm hoping that he does perform that way. And I'm listening to the experts doing my research, and I picked him up from my bench. He's sitting for a little while till I see how he performs. They play Buffalo week one, so I probably won't play him. And then I got Rashad Bateman, who eventually will be Lamar Jackson's number one receiver. Um, we haven't seen him solidified as the number one yet. He was injured pretty much all, not all of last year. He came on pretty late of last year. Um, I did see him in preseason. I did see him late last year, and he was scoring a lot of points. I did see him at Minnesota. He was one of my favorite receivers coming out that year. He was raw. Um, I'm actually actually pretty excited I got him this year. Um, he is trade bait for me. If anybody wants him in the league, uh, come and get him because he's going to be that number one for Lamar Jackson. And I think he's going to have a great season, but he is on my bench just for if anybody gets hurt. All my receivers are just kind of like interchangeable. I have no favorites right now. Then I have Melvin Gordon, this handcuff for Javante. I did want Javante Williams as a backup if I didn't get Brees Hall. I kind of had him set all season, um, all preseason. My first four picks were going to be Justin Jefferson, Fournette, uh, Michael Pittman, and then uh, Breeze Hall for the first four picks. I was high on Breeze Hall, as you can see. I was going to try to grab him no matter what and hoped everybody kind of forgot about him. And I was able to pick him up on the, uh, pick him up on the slide, and I was able to do that. Um, but Melvin Gordon, though, um, Javante Williams hasn't really solidified himself as a true number one, getting 100% of the carries, you know what I mean? And they just re-signed Melvin Gordon to a one-year deal. They gave him a good amount of money, like I think like almost $10 million. So I think they are going to give him a chance to get some carries too. So Javante is not going to be solely the RB1 there. And even if he is, if he ever gets hurt, having Melvin Gordon as a number two back over there in Denver is also going to be pretty tight, especially for me to have him on my bench. Just in case that does happen and sit there, that's going to be a high-powered offense with Russell Wilson. So it's going to be cool to have him on my bench as well. And then we got this uh, this new guy, this rookie, Isaiah Likely, who apparently in his last preseason game or his first two preseason games, he's had 12 catches for 144 yards. And they said that he's going to get a lot of touches, get on the field real early and play alongside uh, Mark Andrews a lot. We know the Ravens have Mark Andrews, who's really the number one target. I should have said that when I'm talking about Bateman, but uh, Mark Andrews is his number one target, but having the two tight end sets and having another receiver like tight end that can get open and, you know, make some plays. They're saying he's a playmaker. He's able to get out there and do some stuff that you haven't seen rookies do. He doesn't look like a rookie out there and he's going to get a lot of playing time early. So Isaiah likely I have him on my bench just to see what happens with him. And then lastly, I do have him. Actually, not lastly, because I do have a defense and a kicker. They do matter. But I do have uh, Jamal Williams, not Jamal Williams, Jamison Williams from uh, Alabama. He does. He is recovering from a torn ACL. Um, I do have him on my IR in our league. I hope you guys know I did send a message to you guys in the league that we have two IR slots. I try to change it to one, but I guess after I set the rosters, I'm not allowed to change the IR slot. So we do have two of those things. If you have hurt players that you want to stash, um, you know, until midseason or whenever they get healthy, you can do that. But just keep in mind, if your players that you actually did draft get hurt, you're going to have to replace that player in that IR spot, and that player will go um, back to the waiver wire. That's how it works, and that's how we make it fair because you're not able to hold too many players there. And it's kind of a catch-22 because if your player does end up getting hurt, you're going to have to put them on the IR slot or drop them to, you know, fill that slot, and you don't want to have to do that shit, so... 
Um, just use it wisely, but that's what I got on mine. Uh, for my defense, I got Indianapolis. Um, their defense has always been pretty good, but the first couple of weeks they have a couple of good um, matchups, and I thought with that uh, I could do pretty good. Well, at least the first two weeks. They got Houston and Jacksonville the first two weeks, and they got KC. But then they got Tennessee, Denver, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Washington. So, I mean, I might just kind of bite the bullet on a couple of weeks and just ride out with them because they look like they're going to have a pretty good schedule, and their defense is pretty good with uh, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, and company. Um, and I do kind of feel like they're going to be, excuse me, they're going to be able to do it for me, but in our league, um, first place, we are having a, it's $50 buy-in, like I mentioned. So that would have made a $600 prize if we were doing like the first place solely gets all the money, but we did tear it out. Cause that's how we like to do it in the best of bias invitational. We like to get uh, everybody to be able to, um, you know, get something for their hard work. So we tiered it out first, second, third place, first place gets $450. Uh, second place gets $100 and third place basically gets their money back and uh, gets $50. And I guess essentially second place only gets $50 because they get their money back too, plus another 50. So uh, we're really making it so that the first place gets rewarded for all their hard work during, uh, during the season. Um, last year was a pretty good chunk of change. Um, it was a good season. I thank everybody for coming back. Um, but I do see some teams out there that could present a little challenge for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to say um, my team is the best or nothing because we did see young Damo send us a, a list of grades that Yahoo felt each team deserved for their draft. And Damo did get the number one pick out there. Or not the number one pick, the number one grade getting an A. Um, young Kyle out there got an A minus. And, um, yeah, a couple of y'all are on my list. I have five five teams that I think are going to be the hardest for me to defeat. And the ones that I'm looking at are looking like, okay, your team's kind of stacked, but I don't know if you're going to beat me and all that, but you, who I'm looking at as one of the biggest threats. And if you guys can see this video on YouTube, my lips are hella dry. Let me get some water real quick. Stay hydrated, everybody. I'm drinking out of a Gatorade bottle. Whew. Anyways, back to what I was saying. So... Starting off with threats, the first team I thought that may give me a little issue, and you may be surprised because this is first year in the league, first year actually me playing fantasy with them. So I was surprised myself with his draft strategy and how well he did. Even though he wasn't live, he was able to keep his composure and make some good picks. Um, starting with his quarterback, he actually got him hella late. I'm talking about you, Dijon. This is Dijon's team about the list off for y'all. Um, this is my number one. The top team that I think may pose a threat to me, I'm going to go from top to bottom um, threats. That's not all 12 of y'all. So if y'all not in the top five, <laughs> I'm not saying y'all teams are sorry. I'm just saying y'all not the top teams that oppose, in my opinion, a threat to me. Y'all might think so, and y'all might have good-ass reasons and uh, cases to why you will. But these teams right here are the ones. Um, starting with team number one, the biggest threat I think is to me, um, Lidero does the best, or what, well, actually, I don't know what my team name is, but my team basically, um, Dijon, this man got Lamar Jackson at quarterback. He got Justin Jefferson. We talked about that snipe that he got on me. Then he sniped my third round pick, uh, picking Michael Pittman. And that's kind of my fault as well, because knowing I had to get that snake pick and has to come back all the way back around. I don't know, man. I thought Leonard Fournette was going to get sniped, so I didn't want to risk that. I wanted to have two solid running backs after pick, uh, picking Christian McCaffrey and losing out on Jefferson. So I thought he would be able to come back around and people will just kind of pass him up. But I have to wait hella long for that next pick in the third round. And uh, Dijon was able to pick him up, Pittman. I don't know if it was a third round. It might have been late, but 
It had to be because that's who I would have took third round no matter what. And yeah, he was taken. God damn it. Anyways, um, after that, he took DeAndre Swift, um, who I think he got with his second pick, which is a great pickup running back wise. I'm hearing a lot about him. We get to see him in hard knocks a lot. But, um, man, he's just too little for me. I was too scared of running backs. Well, I took Chris McCaffrey. But DeAndre Swift is kind of smaller than Christian McCaffrey. Um, and he does he did get hurt a lot. He does get hurt a lot. Um, he does produce a lot of points in PPR, especially him being a catching running back. So, um yeah uh, that's a really good pickup he has cam Akers as well as his running backs so i don't know about cam Akers. you know what i'm saying those rams running back they're kind of running back by committee so i was kind of scared of those uh but cam Akers wasn't really the biggest thing i was scared of cameron Brate, uh if anything his tight end was his weakness this was a pickup that he had logan thomas before he still has him but he's hurt not playing no week two i saw that so he picked up cameron Brate. he's a starting tight end for the bucks of course and then you have hollywood brown um actually coming back uh, linking up with Kyler Murray, his college teammate. Um, I don't know how that connection is going to be yet, but you can just expect it to be the same with that uh, Derek Carr, uh, Devontae Adams connection. College teammates, it, it wasn't very long ago, so they probably still have that uh, connection. And I'm sure they've recently, you know, linked up and been practicing together probably on the offseason that nobody knows about. So I'm sure that's going to go well as well. So that Lamar Jackson, Jefferson, Pittman, DeAndre Swift, Malcolm Brown, um, that 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 combination kind of scared me because I know what Michael Pittman is going to bring uh, with Matt Ryan go, going over there, Carson Wentz being out of there. Um, Michael Pittman didn't score many touchdowns, but I know he's going to be their number one receiver. And pairing him up with Jefferson and PPR is going to be crazy. Him having Lamar Jackson scoring points is going to be crazy. And if De- uh, DeAndre Swift actually performs to his potential, that lineup per week is going to give him a lot of points. So that's the number one team. Number two team, I got Jason. Uh, Jason's always giving me challenges in these seasons, man. He's been with the league a couple of years now, pretty good, like three or four years now, maybe more than that, more, more than that. Um, but he always drafts well. He got the number one pick this year and went with Jonathan Taylor, of course. Um, but his team, his receivers go crazy. Um, and if they perform to their potential as well, his second running back and his tight ends, his backup running backs are cool. But I thought this was the second team that I would be scared of because of the receivers solely. Listen to this. We got oh, oh and the quarterback too. Jalen Hurts. I'm not too worried about Jalen Hurts though because I have his number one receiver. So as long as he's throwing it to him and not running the ball in rushing for touchdowns, I'm not really worried about that. But Jalen Hurts' his rushing ability is scary. He'll get a lot of points with that. Then he got my boy Mike Evans who's going to, of course, get a whole bunch of touchdowns from Tom Brady and a whole bunch of catches, period, with PPR. Keenan Allen, who is another PPR monster who's basically just Mike Evans' light, um, but he is his own receiver, and he's awesome as well. Uh, but that PPR system, he's going to get a whole bunch of points. You already know what Jonathan Taylor is going to do. He may have a little regression of last year because people know what he actually was, um, is actually is now. Uh, they may stack the box a lot against him, but still that open up for, opens the field up for Michael Pittman, which is also scary. But, um, of course, John, Jonathan Taylor is going to do what he's going to do. And then you have J- Josh Jacobs. Of course, he's trying to prove himself this year to get paid and actually prove that he's worth another contract. Um, but we're not, I'm not really sure about that, him having Josh McDaniels as a coach and then signing a whole bunch of running backs over there. It feels like it's going to be uh, Patriots light and they'll be running by a committee over there as well. Um, but he does have Michael Thomas as well. People say that he's back to his old form. He hasn't played in a couple of years, so I'm kind of skeptical. And he didn't really want to be there. So there was some kind of like uh, disputes between him and the team, him wanting to leave and stuff like that. So I don't know how true it is that he's actually um, filling it and ready ready to go. And I actually heard he was had a hamstring injury, so he's hurt again. So who knows if he's actually going to be healthy the full season, able actually able to go. So 
There's a lot going on. Um, but that team, those receivers, if they perform to their potential with that quarterback and Jonathan Taylor, that shit is scary. That might, sh- that should be the number one team, honestly. Fucking Jalen Hurts, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Thomas. Mm. And I'm not sure I know their defenses because I don't really know what defenses they got. But that don't really matter. I'm just taking their core of their teams and it's looking pretty scary. And this is where Damon comes in. He got an A+. Plus, you know what I'm saying? But his team doesn't scare me as much as those first two teams. Um, Damon's team, let me see what we got for Damon. Uh, we have... Dak Prescott as the quarterback. He has Debo Samuels. This is is what I call team potential. I call his team team potential because if they perform to their potential and what they should do, this team should be a, should be an A like the grade he got, but who knows? It's a lot of teams, a lot of first time uh, players on teams, a lot of first time players having, you know, depleted teams. So I'll just explain it and not talk about it. I'm not going to front. This team is pretty good. Um, Dak Prescott, a quarterback, Debo Samuel's at receiver. We saw what he did last year. He got his money, so we don't. We can only expect for him to do bigger things this year. Um, Juju Smith is um, actually with the quarterback this year. Uh, Big Ben was in decline uh, since he's been drafted. Um, having Patrick Mahomes now is going to be way different for Juju, and I think that's going to just increase his, his value, and especially in uh, PPR um, in fantasy football. And also you got Alvin Kamara. Everybody thought he was going to be suspended this year. Um, we saw the suspension that uh, Deshaun Watson got. So we saw what um, Alvin Kamara and crew did to that guy at All-Star Weekend. So it's only a matter of time before the suspension comes down. But we, uh, a lot of experts believe it won't happen this season. So his draft stock kind of dropped. But him being able to get him at the value he did um, was actually pretty tight because it's going to help him a lot because you can get a lot of touchdowns. Um, he had a six uh, six touchdowns game a couple of years ago, so you could only expect him to be able to uh, keep up what he's been doing, six-time pro bowler. He's going to do great. James Conner, uh, sleeper pick here, starting running back for the um, Arizona Cardinals. Last year, I think he scored like 20 touchdowns or some crazy – 18 touchdowns or some crazy shit. Um, this year, there might be a regression, but – he is a starting running back who runs with power, who does catch uh, passes, who scores a lot of touchdowns. So it's always good to have a running back like that. Kyle Pitts being the number one receiver for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, we don't know how Mariota is going to do. I'm pretty sure he's going to do great because that's my boy and he has all the potential in the world. Um, but him and Drake London are the only two receivers pretty much over there in Atlanta. So I can only expect uh, Kyle Pitts to do good things. Uh, A.J. Dillon. I was supposed to take A.J. Dillon in the sixth round. This is another one of the snipes. Damon sniping for this pick. Um, he might be starting a lot for the uh, for the Green Bay Packers, um, given they need experienced receivers. You can see Aaron Jones being on the field at the same time as Aaron Jones. I mean, as A.J. Dillon. But he's probably going to be more split out doing receiving routes. And, uh, you know, because Aaron, Ro- I, Aaron Rodgers likes to throw the ball to his trusted receivers. He's had problems with these rookie receivers in camp. It was uh, publicly noted. So I think a lot of the stuff that's going to go down on the season is going to be a lot of check downs, a lot of Randall Cobb, a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of Alan Lazard. I don't know how far he's going to be throwing it down the field. Aaron Rodgers has an arm. So if somebody's open, he'll get it to him. But I think we're going to see a lot of stuff to the players that he trusts. Again, um, he's getting Tanyan back. So um, a lot of his trust receivers are there. But A.J. Dillon, I think, could be that big guy in the backfield who gets a lot of goal line carries, who can catch the ball a little bit and in spread situations and shotgun situations where you have both running backs on the field. Um, you can hand the ball off to A.J. Dillon to, you know, keep the defense on his toes 
and get those extra yards, those sneaky yards that you weren't expecting to get. So I think that pick was uh, pretty dope as well. Um, Chris Godwin, man, he might not be ready for good, uh, week one, but he's going to be ready, man. He's recovering from that knee injury he had late in the season last year when he uh, got hurt playing the um, New Orleans Saints. Um the team is not putting him on the pup list. He has a knee brace on now, running routes and stuff with a non-contact jersey at practice. So I think he's going to be, of course, used this season. We have a bunch of receivers to be able to, um, you know, have him take his time to get back. I don't know if he's going to play against the Cowboys. Me personally, I hope he doesn't just to rest that knee up. Um, and I hope he doesn't play week two against the Saints because that's like a rivalry game. And I'm sure they'll try to do some dirty shit too. So I would wait till week, uh, week three to play Chris Godwin. Um, but to have him on your bench and to have him as somebody to play once he does get up and going, he's just going to be one of Tom Brady's best targets, favorite targets. So that's a good player to have on your bench as well. And he has Gusecki as well. People think Gusecki this year is going to be blocking a lot more with the receivers he has out there now, the speed guys. But Gusecki was one of the top targets for Tua last year, and I think he's still going to get off as well. So number three team, number three team I was worried about, that was Damo's team. Number four, we got Kyle's team. Uh, his team consisted of Kyler Murray, quarterback, uh, Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore, Dalvin Cook, Javante. Dalvin Cook and Javante, of course, them together, I think is deadly. If Javante can get the carries, I know he's going to catch the ball in the backfield, but if he gets all the carries that uh, everybody's suspecting he will, and then if that Melvin Gordon workload is decreased as much as people think it's going to be, him and Dalvin together can be kind of tight. Um, Stephon Diggs, they think the Bills are going to be like one of the number one offenses in the league, but them having a whole bunch of different, a whole bunch of weapons, um, I think going to, it's going to slow down uh, Stephen Diggs a little bit, but you know how Stephen Diggs is. He'll complain about his carries or his catches. So he'll get force fed by Josh Allen and I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be open because he's a great receiver. So him and DJ Moore are awesome, but the fact that DJ Moore has Baker Mayfield, I have to see it to believe it. But if he is a good connection with uh, Baker Mayfield and able, is able to get those PPR points and those, you know, you know, little carries, those end rounds and stuff like that, maybe he could be of use. Dallas Goddard and Mike Williams. Mike Williams is an eater. I wanted Mike Williams if I didn't get uh, Michael Pittman. Um, he's the number two re receiver for the Chargers. And you know Justin Herbert's right now is really highly heralded. Uh, people are saying he might be the best quarterback in the NFL with the most potential. You know what I'm saying? He's only 24 years old. Tom Brady, you know, he's the GOAT. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's the GOAT. But, um, you know, they're aging out. You know, Tom Brady's 45. Aaron Rodgers is always talking about retirement here and there. But if he does retire, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes had the pedestal for a while. Um, but, you know, Justin Herbert's on the come up, and that's my Oregon guy, and I'm happy to see it, man. Um, him and Mariota need to get more respect and Oregon needs to get more respect as far as developing quarterbacks. Cause the last couple of years we haven't really done much, but um, we got Dante Moore coming in. We had Mariota and we had Justin Herbert. Um, I think Vernon Adams had a chance too, if he didn't get hurt late in his season and he played for us as a senior transfer, but I'm not going to go there right now, but, but yeah, um, again, defense wise, I don't really have what he asked for his defense, but that Kyler Murray, Stephen Diggs, uh, DJ Moore, Dalvin Cook, Devontae, Dallas Goddard, and Mike Williams is a scary core as well. That's the number four team and Tay, a newcomer to the league as well. He is the fifth team that I said I was kind of nervous about. He has Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I think his second re receiver will be Deontay Johnson from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Derrick Henry, um, who is who he has. Okay, Derrick Henry did go at number eight, uh, nine, okay, um, which is actually really crazy. Um, he has uh, Montgomery or D uh, Devin Harris as a second running back. 
Mark Andrews at receiver. And then at flex, he either had, he can play Harris, Antonio Gibson. He has a whole bunch of options. So just the fact that he got Chase, um, he got Burrow. He has Derrick Henry, who always gets a whole bunch of points um, with a couple of running backs who are interchangeable. Darren, uh, Devin Harris, oh, excuse me, Damian Harris uh, from the Patriots is the number one uh, running back over there. And of course, Gibson, I don't know, with the whole tragic incident of Robinson getting shot, I think that might open up the role for Gibson to start again. He was regulated to kick return for a while, but he might get the um, go again with Bijan, I mean, not Bijan, um, just Brian Robinson uh, Jr. recovering from that gunshot um, wound from uh, that potential or attempted carjacking, which is pretty sad. Uh, prayers up to him. I hope he recovers pretty, uh, pretty fast. But that does give Antonio Gibson subsequently a chance to um, take that spot over for a little bit while he's recovering and actually show what he actually does have and reclaim that number one spot. But yeah, those were the five teams. Dijon, number one, Jason, number two, Damon, number three, Kyle, number four, and Tay, number five. Everybody else, y'all teams are formidable, but I don't think I'll have as trouble playing y'all as much as I will these guys. Hopefully you guys make trades with them and make their teams a little bit worse. Um, But shit, man, I was hoping that I'd get a lot of players on those teams, but they were smart. They had good drafts. So shouts out, uh, shouts out to them. Don't worry about those draft grades. They don't mean nothing. Um, the season's going to be a long season, 17 weeks. Um, well, I think the playoffs start in like week 14, um, but six teams are going to make the playoffs in our league. Um, best records, um, best points for the least points against. That's how we're going to do it this year. Um, but yeah, that ends those teams. But I just want to talk a little bit about players that I actually want to talk a lot about Jefferson. Um, I talked about Pittman, but these younger players, Travis Etienne coming back, I really wanted him. Um, just seeing him and uh, Trevor Lawrence performing in college. He got hurt last year, had a foot injury, so we weren't able to pick him up or see what he was all about. But this year, him coming back, I thought he was going to do big things, but Brian Robinson, uh, Brian Robinson, why am I <laughs> saying Jamal? Uh, Jamal Robinson, I think that's his name. The running back for the Chiefs, or Jamal, fuck, I'm talking, fucking up. The running back for the Jaguars right now, excuse me, got it right this time. Um, he's actually healthy. He had an Achilles injury or an ankle injury, something like that. Then we thought Travis Etienne was actually going to take over as number one running back, but he actually is going to have to just wait and be regulated to gadget player, kind of like slot receiver, receiver, third down running back that comes out of the running back to catch the ball um, because I guess uh, Robinson is good and good to go and looking better and better at practice. It may be a ploy to um, get teams thrown off in their game plan, but they're saying he's looking good. So that kind of like, you know, makes the backfield a little bit murky uh, for Travis Etienne, which allowed me to just kind of hold off on picking him, getting value at that receiver position. And I was able to get Brees Hall around later because I think they took Etienne pretty early. Pickens, I wasn't able to get, I took a lot of good receivers early, so I wasn't really able to try um, on the rookie receivers as much as I wanted to. Olave, George Pickens, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. I wasn't able to go for those guys because I did get a lot of value in the middle rounds when I got Cooks, Robinson, Rashad Bateman. So these guys are starters or number two 
well, number twos are pretty much starters, but um, pretty much top targets on teams. So I couldn't really risk a pick on these rookie guys. And some of the hype for these rookie guys got them taken pretty fast by other teams. But George Pickens looking like a monster in camp. Olave is looking like a monster um, on the Saints. He's looking like the number one if, you know, Michael Thomas stays hurt and Jameis Winston stays healthy and he can perform the way that he should be able to with his eye surgery so he doesn't so he can actually see now. Um, but. George Pickens catching everything in camp and he's performing like a number one receiver, not a, you know, a guy, another guy is coming out there and looking like he's not a rookie and he's ready to go, ready to be a dominant number one. So him, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Fryermuth, who's another guy that I wanted a second year tight end playing for the Steelers. Who's going to eat. Um, we don't know who's going to start for them the whole season. I know Trubisky has the job now. They drafted Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh, um, who's picking up a lot of traction in pre, uh, preseason. So he could be out there being the guy who is actually getting the starting job uh, a lot sooner than later. But for now, Trubisky has it. And Pat Fryermuth was a guy I wanted late who I was waiting out for to see if I can get a tight end. But I was able to get uh, Najoku, who might actually have a better season. So I'm not mad at that. I am kind of mad I wasn't able to get Brady. I was going to stack Brady and Fournette if I wasn't able to get one of the scrambling or running quarterbacks. Um, Brady's going to score, uh, throw a whole bunch of touchdowns. I mean, his line might be banged up this year in the middle. Um, people are forgetting we do have Shaq Mason, so we did not lose two guards. I mean, Ali Marpet was a pro bowler, and he did retire, but we did get Shaq Mason, who was a previous pro bowler and a great uh, guard over there with the with the Patriots. So our right guard spot is filled. We may have lost the backup or one of the guys competing for the backup position for the guard, but we did draft somebody in the third round, second round. I think we had two third round picks, and I think we did pick uh, Gedecki um, to play eventually that left guard. So now he has to play it sooner than he, you know, he wanted to or was expecting to play it. So he has to step up there and be ready. Um, the worst injury was that center, um, Ryan Jensen. We just paid him. We thought he was going to be, you know, the stalwart to another Super Bowl run. But with him getting hurt, we don't really know how severe the injury is. He is not on I. Well, he might be on IR now. To um, well, he's not on IR yet because that's why we had to cut Logan Ryan for a second to um, put Logan Ryan or to put Ryan Jensen on the IR once we figure out how severe. Because they really haven't said how severe the injury was. We just know he won't be back for several months. Um, and if I think he might be able to come back for a playoff run. But right now we have um, Hainsey out there playing, um, taking the roll up. He, he is playing well, and the team does, um, you know, have high hopes for him. They do believe in him because we didn't go get J.C. Treader. He actually ended up retiring, was a veteran center out there who used to play for the Browns. Um, but we didn't go get him, and we actually just ended up staying with the uh, – Stand with the center we had, Hainsey, Robert Hainsey, the backup. But he is kind of getting banged up in uh, training camp in preseason. So I'm just hoping he can stay off the field for now and just kind of hold out until the season starts. But this is kind of way off of fantasy talk. But I just when I talk about the Buccaneers, I just get on a roll. But yeah, I didn't get Tom Brady, basically. And I didn't get Jalen Hurts. I told you guys I wanted him for his uh, running ability. I think he is actually going to take some steps towards being a great running back. I mean, being a great quarterback this year, being able to throw the ball down the field. One thing about Jalen Hurts, as I saw throughout college and his early in his career, once he starts something, once he first gets into something new, he might not be super, super dope at it. But if you give him time to prepare and get better, he takes the right approaches to get better. And I've always seen progression in Jalen Hurts. And I think you can and are going to see that this year. He got a little bit bigger muscle wise and is able to stay in the pocket and probably take those hits. And I think he is throwing motion and him getting AJ Brown another year with Devonta Smith 
And um, I think they just, oh, they traded Jalen Rager um, to the, the the Vikings. So that's a number three receiver for them over there. But uh, I don't even know because he's always hurt. So he'd probably be the number four or five receiver for them. Um, but we don't know. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be pretty good. Um, and me not getting him, you know, I had to settle for Derek Carr. Um, and I kind of in the back of my head kind of wanted Derek Carr anyways because I think he has a lot to prove. And I think this year he will prove it, especially in a loaded division. Um, he does have to do what he needs to do to show he's not the worst quarterback in the division, like others are trying to say. Um, Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack getting cut by the Houston Texans. I just want to talk about this a little bit just to let you guys know, because a lot of people have been drafting Damian Pierce hella early or thinking about drafting Damian Pierce like earlier than you thought you would. Because at first, you know, rookie running back that you didn't really hear much about early or in the draft process, um, late round pick. Um, he's all he, you know, people have been starting to draft him in the third and fourth, fifth round, um, as early as second round now, because he's going to be a clear cut starter. There's a lot of hype behind him in uh, in how he performed his last preseason game against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So people are taking him relatively early, especially after the news of Marlon Mack being cut, who people thought he was going to split carries with. So we see that Lovey Smith actually believes in Damian Pierce a lot. Um, coming out of Florida, man, the Bucks were going to draft him and didn't believe in him. Uh, we believed in Rashard White a little bit more, but Damian Pierce is getting that start for um, for the Houston Texans now, and I think that's gonna that's gonna be pretty tight. I think it's pretty good for him. Uh, me personally, I'm a running back coming out of high school, so I am, you know. One that believes the running back isn't dead. I think the running back still needs to be respected. Hopefully it makes this resurgence like the receivers and the tight ends are making um, because shit, man, they're just using and abusing these guys. Like I was talking the other day with some homies and like, whatever happened to um, uh, Todd Gurley, man, he was everywhere. That guy coming out of Georgia and then people had rumors about his knees and then they stopped, you know, signing them. He didn't get chances anywhere. He played with the Falcons. Last thing I said, I saw, and then he just, you know, fell off the, face of the earth it's just like they use they use them up give them a whole bunch of carries to their knees and bodies were all worn down and then they just let them go to the wayside so um damian pierce get your money now at your young age you know starting early it's good to bang a bang to pop as a young rookie because after the age 26 27 if you ain't one of those backs that's putting up 2,000 3,000 yards a pop um, you know each year 3,000 nobody's done that shit but if you, you know what i mean being a a running back that you know, is a, I don't even know, Jonathan Taylor every year, Derrick Henry every year, they're not going to give you that money. Um, Derrick Henry is almost, he's getting up there now. And for him to get the contract that he did get, it's probably going to be one of the last of his kind because they're hating on running backs big time. Uh, but some rookies that you should keep an eye on, I talked about a lot of them already. Um, Damian Pierce, that Scott finished talking about. Olave Wilson, the Ohio State boys. Wilson is on. Garrett Wilson is on. The Jets, they ain't got the their quarterback situation right right now with, uh, you know, young Wilson, um, young Milf, uh, Milf Hunter being hurt right now. But eventually he will get healthy. Him, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis over there. It's going to make a cool little receiving core. Uh, so look out for Garrett Wilson. If you want to draft him late, go ahead and do that. Again, Olave has been pegged as almost the number one receiver over there in Saints. Uh, Garrett Wilson and Olave bro, both ran a sub four threes. So fast guys, a lot of potential. Speaking of fast guys, uh, Jahan Dotson over there in Washington. Um, he is performing well in camp and it's going to be a good number two receiver to um, Terry McLaurin taking some double teams off of him over there. Hopefully he can perform. He's a little guy, but hopefully he can go out there and perform. Been hearing a lot about him. 
Um, was going to draft him late. May still. I don't think he's been drafted yet. So may pick him up in waivers if he does start to perform well. Um, of course, Breeze Hall. I was bullish on him. I talked a lot about him already. He was my guy. I was going to take him fourth round, uh, fourth round regardless. I believe in him. I like how he moves, man. I like to see myself as a uh, running back whisperer. I can see it. I have an eye for selecting running backs that I think are going to pop off and they're going to be good in the future. And I think Breeze Hall is one of those guys. So take a look at him. And, of course, Ricard White for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think is going to be – Really good as a backup to Leonard Fournette. If he ever gets uh, banged up, um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. If you want to see some great highlights, it's only been a couple of years, too. I think he was a Juco transfer, and then he transferred from a, a lower-ranked school and was able to go to Arizona. So his path to the NFL has been really interesting, and to see him out there doing his thing and getting so much hype and so much credit from uh, not only the Buccaneers, um, but – people in preseason games and fantasy experts as a backup and a handcuff to Leonard Fournette is a good thing out there. So I should be keeping him quiet because I think I'm going to pick him up as a handcuff to Leonard Fournette a little later, just as an insurance policy if anything happens. But yeah, man, fantasy is going to be cool this year. I think that's all the fantasy I got for now. Um, we can take a little break right here. Um, go ahead, get you some refreshments, do whatever you got to do. But we'll come back. We'll go over some sports topics. We got a little bit of stuff here. Serena, um, we do have the 49ers signing Jimmy G back, some signings. Um, RJ Barrett got an extension. Um, some of the water crisis stuff going on in Jackson, Mississippi. A couple of pop culture topics, and then we'll talk House of, uh, House of the Dragons episode two in the episode. Is that cool with y'all? I just spit right there. You saw you saw that. Uh, it's the Best of Bias podcast. Go get you refreshments and come right back. Come right back here. It's the Best of Bias podcast. Yeah, where my theme song? Well, it's not really a theme song. It's a little mini one, but I'll be right back. <laughs> And welcome back, everybody. It's the Best of Bias podcast. You heard me just reflect on our draft we just had for the Best of Bias invitation on 2022 on how I did. You know, the people I thought in the league were my biggest competitors and all that jazz. But now I'm going to get into some rapid fire topics real quick and just let you know on some stuff that's going down. Um, if you guys have been watching and listening last uh, episode, I talked about Serena's potential retirement. Um, now she's like on a farewell tour and kind of competing, not kind of competing. She is competing in the U S open. Um, she just competed, uh, last night. Well, if you listen to us Friday, it was a couple of days ago being, uh, I think it was Tuesday or no Monday night, um, over there. And she did well. Um, people expected her to kind of like this be one of her last matches. So it's kind of highly, highly sought after. Everybody's eyes are on this. I think it was actually a mid-afternoon match, to be honest, because I was actually at work when it was happening. So I wasn't able to catch it. Um, but she actually won the first match. Um, today I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So she does have her second round match. And she did advance. Um, I should have these ladies' names. I'm actually doing them a disservice by not having their names. Excusing me. Excusing me for that sound. I didn't mean to have that there. So let me grab these names for you real quick quick um we can oh shoot i don't have it but serena all in all she made it to the third round of the u.s open she just beat the number two seed i'm sorry number two seed i don't know what your name is um but she you you she just advanced to the third round um again people weren't really expecting her to make it this far because again she was going against the number two seed i don't know what seed she was um but she you know she probably had a good seed being um, respected as much as she is, but she did take down the number two seed. Um, I don't know if she's going to be going against the number one seed in the next match. I don't know how far the number one seed or who the number one seed 
it is. Uh, but to see her go out on top and maybe not even retire and just keep it going until keep competing until she does lose, that would be great to see. Um, so shout out to Serena. Um, her career has been highly heralded for a long time now, and she's still out there competing and showing them what's up out there in the you know the competitive field and not backing down to nobody, no matter what's coming her way. She has had some struggles along the way, injuries. She did give birth. She was pregnant while playing, um, and she did have these struggles and these hurdles along the way, and she's still actually dealing with those. But to see her still being able to go out there and compete with the youngins and the people that are supposed to be the top seeds now and still showing them who's boss, that's big kudos to her, and I'm really happy for her and we're all rooting for her in the next round and the next round to come and hopefully she can take this uh this u.s open home and you know bring it back um we're all rooting for her. the match just ended you guys saw it you guys saw it. you guys know what's up um i watched a little bit of it but then i came up upstairs to record for you guys so i did go back there down there a little bit ago and she did end up winning so on to the next round come on serena you know what i'm saying if this if this is the last tour the last um open that you will compete in um I'm happy to see, and we want to see you win. So I'm happy to see you're still out there doing it. And uh, it's a blessing and we're privileged to see you play every day, every match. You go out there and do it and lace it up, lace them up and whatever glamorous outfits you're wearing. Um, we'll never see this again. And you're one of a kind and you've, you know, inspired generations of young women to come out here and complete comp uh, compete competitively in tennis and just compete, uh, keep on holding the legacy and passing the torch that you have been carrying for so long. But it's not over yet. Um, you still have work to do. And I know you know that. And I know you're going to take care of that work. And all work is easy work for you. So shout out to Serena for winning this last round. Defeat the number two seed. Um, also, shouts out to Jimmy G, man. Everybody thought Jimmy G was going to be, uh, you know, thrown out there to dry or hung out there to dry and nobody was going to pick him up or the 49ers going to end up cutting him. He actually signed back with the 49ers for a one-year deal, $6.5 million. Somehow, with incentives, it can be worth up to $16 million. That's a, a lot of goddamn money. Um, but he is one of the highest-paid backup quarterbacks because uh, they did pass the reins over to Trey Lance. I'm not too sure what this means. I'm not too sure if they don't believe in him quite yet or if they're just um, using him as an insurance policy, in policy just in case they're something does happen uh, to Trey Lance. They have somebody back there that knows the playbook and that could uh, potentially help them still get to where they want to go. And if the trade does actually happen, um, they can trade them down the road before the trade deadline. And they do have a trade, uh, no trade clause in the contract. So he doesn't get traded to the, to bumfuck nowhere. Excuse my language, excuse, excuse my language, but um, he does have a saying where he does get traded. So that's always a good thing. Um, but it's interesting because we heard all summer that he was going to get cut. He's going to get traded. And there's a lot of teams out there that do, that do need a services and may need a services down the road. So um, they're going to hold on to him for now. And shouts out to Jimmy G. He'll stay in the Bay area. I know a lot of people may not like that, but you know what I'm saying? Shout out to him. And then speaking of extensions, RJ Barrett, I have to shout this out a little bit of NBA out there in New York. He signed his rookie extension, uh, max rookie extension, four years, $120 million. Um, this is interesting. It's really good for New York because I think it's one of the rookies, one of the first rookies that actually made it to that extension in a long time. Um, you know, Randall wasn't drafted there. He was obviously drafted by the L.A. Lakers. And that was like one of his one of their best players on the team for a while now. They have quickly, but they, I don't think he made it to that fifth year yet. I think he's still like in the second, third year. So R.J. Barrett was putting it down. Everybody kind of forgot about him once Zion and Ja kind of, you know, ascended into stardom. But R.J. was uh, looked at as that guy coming out of college to play with Duke with Zion. And them two were the ones who punched. And people were actually looking at R.J., 
you know, super high coming into that one year they played in college. They thought RJ was going to be the guy, not Zion. We saw Zion and all the highlight tapes and stuff, Duncan and stuff, but we never thought um, he was going to be the guy that actually took off. We thought RJ Barrett had more skills at first, very, very early, because once we saw uh, Zion playing at Duke, we we knew we were wrong about that. But the lefty did get paid. Um, People are saying this does mess up the potential Donovan Mitchell trade for him to go over there to the New York Knicks because of money-wise. You're giving all that money to R.J. Barrett. They feel like there's not going to be enough money to swing a trade or even to sign and extend uh, Donovan Mitchell. But people are saying, you know, there's still hopes that they can make that trade and get R.J. Barrett over there. Um, I mean, excuse me, get Donovan Mitchell over there. They want, you know, he wants to be out of Utah, and Utah, I guess, is trying hard to trade him. So they're cleaning house and starting over in Utah, so. It's interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, moving on. Jackson, Mississippi, right now they're having a water crisis and the hottest time of the year is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, Jackson, Mississippi has no drinking water for their showers, toilets. Well, they're not going to drink water out of the toilets or the showers, but they don't have drinking water. They don't have water for their, their uh, toilets, showers, or anything you basically need water for. You know, water's a necessity. And then, you know, anything, washing clothes, all this kind of stuff. In the whole city of Jackson, Mississippi, there's no water. I mean, as you know, uh, Deion Sanders is a coach over there at Jackson State University, the BCU out there in Jackson State or in Jackson, Mississippi. So he's saying that, you know, football season's coming up. Actually, the first games are starting this week. And he says his players can't drink water. They can't use the facilities. They can't shower. They can't do none of that. Um, even though, you know, football, playing football is probably the most minor thing they should be concerned about as far as how, where the water goes, because there is regular people in the city, um, in the in the towns that actually do need water to live as far as their crops, just to drink, to shower, to bathe themselves. Um, these football players just got brand new facilities and shit like that. So they're not super struggling. And I'm sure they'll have access to water, either water bottles being imported or some shit like that. I'm sure they'll get some stuff that way. But the people in the actual town, though, how are they going to get the stuff they need? Because they're not as privileged as the players are to have Deion Sanders as a coach, as somebody to watch over them. So um, what about all the families in Jackson right now that need water? So um, keep your prayers out to them if you can help any way you can. Um, look it up on the Internet. I don't really have any, like, um, support groups to kind of reference, but there's for sure um, a water shortage going on out there, and they do need all the support um, from everybody around. Um, we Do what you can. Um, because damn water shortage right now is hella hot out here. It's like 109 out here in the Bay. Um, and I'm sure it's hella hot out there in the country, hot, humid. I don't know how humid it gets in Mississippi, but I'm sure it's very, very hot out there. And they're out there running around two a days, getting ready to play football, get ready for the season. Regular people again out there need water for more things than just football and rehydration, you know, showers and toilets and stuff like that. It's just kind of wild. It's kind of wild for these things to go on for more than I don't even know how long it's been going on now. But I think that's something that the government should take care of right away. Uh, that's a 100 percent necessity. Um, again, crops will die. People will die. Animals will die. People will not be able to use basic uh, water for basic necessities, which, I mean, it, it puts things in perspective, actually, when you actually think about it, because third world countries go through this all the time. And for once, uh, when it hits us, we're like, damn, what do we do? But 
but any either way it goes i don't think anybody deserves to live like that so whatever we can do um hopefully we hear sometime soon that everything gets resolved there whatever needs to be repaired uh, maybe joe biden needs to go and intervene over there and see what's going on get some clean water popping elon musk go on create some robots that can clean the water or something like that whatever's going on let's get it fixed because those people need help and i love me some water i'm gonna send me some water right now for the people man let's go prayers out to all those people and lastly i'm gonna wrap it up with episode two of house of the dragon i know a lot of people have been watching this um 10 million viewers 10 million plus viewers for the first episode and i think there was a two percent increase for episode two so everybody was so intrigued with episode one that they came back for episode two um, i'm gonna give y'all a brief description of what i saw and what i i watched a couple of review videos so i kind of know what's going on but name wise i may get mixed up and i kind of I, I got the names but i may not pronounce them right but i got you so basically in this episode we're dealing with uh, basically the aftermath of the king of uh, Viserys versus man I don't know how to say his name uh Targaryen uh basically uh, his wife just died um his son that he was bearing to be his heir passed away as well it's 6 months after so now they're kind of dealing with hmm what's going on actually the whole um realm i think it's Westeros i want to say uh not Westeros what where are they staying at um it may be west i don't know man i don't have the super details but uh wherever they're standing at they're kind of uh uneasy because at the end of episode one he named his daughter um ray uh ray ray rainera rainera i want to say rainera so her name is rainera he named her as the heir um, so after he passes that she becomes, she's going to become the heir, but there was an old wise tale that, um, was told by one of the family members, one of the Targaryens, um, one of the Valerians <laughs> that, uh, you know, the realm will have, will rather see the, you know, the throne burn to the ground before they let a woman, a woman see, oversee the kingdom. So, uh, she kind of just kind of foresaw that a whole bunch of shit may go down with her, um, the daughter of Versys being named as the heir because they wouldn't want a woman being the heir. And of course, Damon Targaryen, who is um, the king's brother, you saw him go all mad and kind of like take off with the dragon at the end of the first episode because he wasn't named the heir. Um, but he, you know, he is in good favor with uh, Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. Um, that's her uncle and he does favor her a lot so though he's mad at her uh though he's damon's mad at his brother um for not you know naming him the heir and the next king um you know he still kind of respects Rainera. um throughout this episode we get to see how the king is struggling with finding a new wife everybody wants him to find a new wife because they want him to have a son so his son can eventually become the heir they don't want his daughter to be the heir to the crown and they're pressuring him about that and at the same time one of his family members Corliss, um the black dude you know what i'm saying there's a black dude in the show which i really respect he got dreads and everything but um he is pretty much the um the navy captain for the realm he uh is the captain of ships and he the crab feeder, this weird ass guy at this place called the Stepstones, is taking over his ships and feeding his uh, his uh, his crew to crabs, and kind of making a mockery of his military. And he's not liking that, so he's bringing that to the king and letting him know he needs to kind of attack 
and kind of go out there with the dragons and burn that place down um, and let the crab feeder know he means business and stop killing his people and stop taking his ships. But the king, he's so worried about war and not ready to go to war that he's just kind of passive. And he was like, we'll give you money um, for the ships you lost and give the families of the, you know, the families of the people that died some money as well. But uh, Corliss wasn't fucking with that. Throughout the episode, the king is just kind of going through a lot because, of course, his wife just died six months ago. His heir, his son just died six months ago. He's dealing with everybody naming, uh, being worried about him naming Rainera as the heir, her being, a, you know, a little girl as the next heir and also him not having a wife. All this stuff kind of coinciding all together just six months after his wife died. It was a lot for the king and it's a lot for him to, uh, to, to deal with as well as him dealing with that big ass dragon scale. People think that, you know, that little disease he had on his back that kind of moved to his hand. Um, you know, he's dealing with that as well. So he's dealing with a lot. People are thinking that, you know, eventually he is going to pass away. So if he does, you know, plan on being king for a little while longer, he needs to marry somebody and get that air situation right. And also throughout the, the episode, we get to see Damon, the brother who left off and kind of like stormed. Uh, what was the place that he went? Um, the actual place where the throne is for the Valerians, where the true king kind of is held up and where he's supposed to be. Um, he went in there and took it by force. He had um, his own personal bodyguards over there and said, fuck it, I'm not the heir but I'm going to go over here and take over what I need to take over. He's like, I'm going to marry somebody, have a son as well. So when I have the son, you'll have no choice but to make me the heir or make my son the heir to the, the kingdom and all kind of bullshit, man. It got kind of wild. Um, eventually we get to see, uh, <laughs> we get to see both Valerian families kind of talking together. Again, Corliss is trying to talk to the king and talk him into going to war with the crab feeder and trying to get his men back and get his ships back. But again, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. He was like, if you're not going to do that, how about you marry my daughter? We can bond both of our families and our families can be the most powerful family in the, in the realm and nobody will fuck with us and we can show our power that way. And the king actually thought about it for a second, but Corliss's daughter is a 12-year-old girl. And it was kind of awkward for him to go out here and marry a 12-year-old girl and try to get her pregnant to try to have a son to be the heir of the kingdom, which is kind of crazy. He felt that way too, so he decided not to. Um, as you guys know, there's a council that he goes through to consult with for a lot of the decisions he makes. This is the king that I'm talking about. And there's this guy named Otto Hightower. Um... And I guess for some reason, his daughter is really good friends with Rainera and has been kind of in her ear this whole last two episodes, kind of giving her advice and kind of try to tell her what to do. And for some reason, he she is actually spending a lot of time with the king as well. Her name is Allison Hightower. Um, and kind of when I saw her in this episode and how she was talking, I kind of feel like she was going to make a play to be uh, the wife for the king and try to take over. Her and Otto had some kind of plot to have her family take over that way and have a son and have their family's name be the uh, rulers of the realm that way. I feel like there's going to be a lot, a lot of shit like that going on in these episodes. A lot of like, uh, um, what do you say? Like um, cross plots and ulterior motives for a lot of these people to try to find their way to get in the throne. Um, it was kind of cool how they revealed that, uh, Allison was going to be, uh, you know, his new wife when they revealed it at the end. We saw Rainer's reaction because she didn't want to be the heir because they, she knew how everybody was going to react to her being a girl and being the heir to the throne. 
Um, but at the same time, hold on here, shooty duty. <laughs> I knew that uh, at the same time, she was going to be pissed about her best friend trying to marry her dad, especially with the fact that they're probably going to end up trying to take over the throne. People, I, I don't know why people didn't see that from the beginning. I knew from exactly when they were talking, how she was trying to get really close to Rainera, how she was getting close to the dad at the same time. For some reason, she was in that room with him when he had all that whole sand figures of the whole kingdom. Why was she in there counseling him? I kind of knew from that second she was going to try to kind of try to seduce him. And her and Otto had that plan together to kind of try to do that. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting how uh, they use the dragon eggs to put over the kids' beds when they're born so they can bond with the dragon when the dragon hatches and the kid is born so they can fly on the dragons. That shit was epic. Um, we didn't really get to see a lot of that during the Game of Thrones. So it was actually actually really cool to see that. Damon stole one of the eggs and said he was going to put it over his uh, heir's throne. Um, I thought it was actually pretty cool how we knew how we saw that the king's dragon actually died and he wasn't able to bond with other dragons. That's why he didn't have a dragon at the time. But we did see that Raynera had a dragon and Damon was actually able to steal a dragon. So I wonder how much how many dragons are actually going to be in this season. And they might be because, I mean, they did kind of, I don't know if they went extinct towards the time of the Game of Thrones and they were kind of a legend at the time. And then we actually saw them towards the end of the season. But I don't know how many dragons they're actually going to have in this season on the House of Dragon. I, I, I would imagine they have a whole bunch because that's probably the name of the show. So they would have a bunch of that. Um, towards the end, we saw Corliss go behind the king's back and ask Damon for help taking out the crab feeders, which I'm sure is going to start a war with the actual king because Corliss went behind his back. Um, and of course, with Otto in the king's ear, trying to motivate him to marry Allison and try to get his family on top, there's probably going to be some whole bunch of misinformation thrown around, a whole bunch of people dying. And I'm liking where we're going. I might have missed, uh, you know, left out a lot of details like uh, Rainer picking that night dude to be the um, personal bodyguard for the king. Um, we saw her give her favor to him at the jousting match. So to see him again get selected as something special, it could be foreshadowing that Rainer takes favor to him and maybe like gets in a relationship with him later down the road. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of internal strife with the family and stuff that I think is going to get in more interesting and more uh, more and more interesting as the season goes on. Seeing the crab feeder's face and how he's nailing people to these stakes and watching the crabs eat them was crazy. So I'm really excited to see that internal conflict there. Uh, but keep giving us this shows uh hbo max excuse me I almost called you netflix but hbo max is fire right now um 10 million plus watchers each week the last two weeks and i'm sure you know the nostalgia of game of thrones is gonna keep on bringing those watchers back uh, i think we have that lord of the Rings show coming out on the second here so we have two of the super big high profile shows dropping um kind of like back-to-back -back weeks so i'm excited to see what they have it was a 200 million dollar show i'm sure this show cost a lot of money to make too and it's been great so far um if i missed anything you guys leave some stuff in the comments or something like that and let me know what i missed you know i know if you guys seen it you've seen it and if if, if you haven't seen it yet i'm spoiling it for you anyways i'm hoping you're skipping this part so um if you haven't seen it go check it out episode one and two are on hbo max now it's called the house of the dragon house of the dragon Really good if you like the medieval times type shows, if you like Game of Thrones, this is right up your alley and it is dope.
And lastly, I'm gonna let you guys know how I felt about those Jid and uh, DJ Khaled albums. Um, DJ DJ Khaled albums called God Did, and Jid's album is called. This is what I did last time. I didn't know what that shit was called. It's called The Forever Story. So go check those out. I think both have a lot of good songs on them. Me personally, like Jid's album better. Um, P, me personally, I've seen the growth of Jid, and I've kind of, you know, what I'm saying, been there with them. So that's kind of more. Um, the payoff is a little bit bigger for me. DJ Khaled just kind of gets a whole bunch of people and puts them on a whole bunch of different songs. It kind of sounds like a mixtape more so than an album, than a collective piece. Um, but there is a couple of records on there that did kind of go hard and were talked about a lot. God uh, God did with Jay-Z, Rick Ross, and Lil Wayne. Um, Jay-Z's verse did go off. It was like 100 million, 75 bars. But um, him and Wayne going back to back. And of course, Rick Ross talking that uh, big money talk. It was a great song. Uh, me personally, I, a lot of those songs didn't have a lot of replay va- uh, replay value for me. Again, there are just a lot of bunch, a lot of songs, a bunch of collective guys who, I don't know, didn't really put the best work into the songs, and they're kind of just bland songs. Um, here at once, and that's it. Stand alive was cool for me, but it was just really short, and I don't know, it didn't really hit as hard as if I think they were trying to make it hit. Um, but again, the Lil Wayne verse, Jay-Z verses, I heard the Jada Kiss verse, I didn't listen to that song yet. Um, the verse went hard. Um, eh. and that's all I really have for that album. Jid's album, um, from top to bottom, I think it's one of those albums that was put together kind of constructively. It was like a piece of art. You get a really introspective view of what Jid is about, how he came up, and just it's called the Forever Story. So you he does give you introspective views on parts of his life, how he came up, how he became the guy he is today, and it shit some of his shit he did back in the day. You know what I'm saying? It gives you it gives you an introduction to Jid if you haven't really listened to him, you haven't really heard his music. Um, you get to hear a lot of different styles from him. Um, he is a different kind of rapper, you know what I'm saying? He has his own lane, if I, if you were to say, if I was to say so myself. Um, and it's a lane, creative lane. He doesn't need to, um, you know, conform to gimmicks to kind of make a name for himself. And the music is pure. If you listen to it, you'll be a fan just like me, I promise you. You know how I do with the music and I will not steer you wrong in that regard. Um, but all in all, go check out that music. Um, that's all that really came out that I am really pushing this week. Um, new Madden's out. If you're down to play the video games, I'll be on there. Um, let me get let me get to this part first. We made it to the end of the podcast where I like to let you know where to find me at, and let me get back to the video games. So if you're looking for me on the video games, I never really shout this out. I am on Twitch. I am on Twitch. S A C. Well, what am I on Twitch? I think I'm Skinny Grub on Twitch, and I'm also S A C underscore Lydell for the podcast. Um, you know what I'm saying? I got a podcast one and one for just me. If you want to hit me up anytime on PlayStation, you can play me SAC. No way. I'm Lydell underscore the Denaro 22. Lydell underscore Denaro 22. I'm on PlayStation. You know, you can find me on the Instagram SAC underscore Lydell. And let's see what else you got. Um, of course, Patrick underscore Lydell on the Snapchat. If you're looking for anything best of bias podcast related, best of bias.com, you can actually don't go to that. You can go to the Instagram, you can go to the YouTube, you can go to uh the Facebook. We got everything. So if you want to, you know, leave some comments, you want to, you know, refer some people to the podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and you can also find us on the YouTube, of course, where you can see me getting down and this beautiful aesthetic here uh, I have in the background but 
Leave some comments. AKA does a, a brilliant job of putting these videos together. We haven't had clips in a while, but we don't get the clips back in these uh, in these videos sometime soon. We gotta get them a new program, a new computer, so we can bust out these higher quality videos. We're all about the elevation here. You know what I'm saying? Um, this office will get renovated. Me and Deshaun, um, your girl's favorite pizza boy. He's been on the podcast a lot. We had an idea of renovating the office into more of a uh you know more of a podcast room more of a podcast office less of a like just me sitting here we'll get couches sofas we're gonna get the pop situated to where um it looks pretty nice pretty cool you're gonna see a big upgrade you've seen constant elevation from me already in some of the shit that i've done i started off in the garage then moved up here then a little bit of pops a lot of pops hats you know what i'm saying that you know everything has been constant elevation especially i you know had to get this for you guys. You know what I'm saying? I don't want y'all seeing some bunk shit. We're going to keep it going, keep it moving. And they're going uh, pay off the time you guys spend with me and listening to my podcast. Go ahead and uh, like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube and all that shit like that. But merch still available. You see it all back there. Got some new hats in, new patches. Um, if you guys saw on Instagram, I just got the glasses patch back around this size. The last glasses patch I had was the big logo. But this one, I have the small logo of the glasses patch. Um, that one is really popular um i don't have any more uh well i have some more available but i'm gonna stop this was supposed to be a limited run of the hard eyes but it's gonna be mostly the glasses eyes now um yeah but we also uh, have plenty more content coming up um we might drop an episode i really mean it this time uh, it's labor day weekend this weekend so i might drop an episode for y'all this weekend um jen's gonna be on the pod and i do got deshaun maybe coming over to do a pod as well in the office in person that's gonna be epic so it's the best of bias podcast thank you guys for being here fantasy football starting the best of bias invitation of 20, uh, 2022 is officially underway if y'all want some beef holla at me you know everybody in the league if y'all want to make a trade holla at me too because i'm all about the friendly stuff as well but this league is going to be great it's going to be great this year if you want to win that 450 dollars, you better come hard pause because you know how i'm coming pause um but yeah thank you guys for being here and this is where i like to say where my theme song at because this is done hey you guys have a good one happy friday and enjoy be safe it's the best uh best of bias you need the earful you should try us from pop culture to the movies to unitas it's the best uh best of bias uh, the best of bias yeah uh, it's the best of